Thanks, Jez. Is, it, is this about right? This is okay. Um, before I start the message today, um, I just wanted to bring something. As Chris was talking just then about breathing in and that deep breath, and um, I just felt like God say, actually, there might be some people here today who, as they're breathing, um, they feel like they've got an oxygen tank on, like a scuba diver would, and they feel like that it's limited. Um, and actually that God's kindness and goodness that, that Chris was bringing about um, is actually quite limited and they, they don't feel like <gasps> they can take a really deep breath because they've got to pace themselves and, and pace it out. Um, so I just wanted to bring that in case that applies to anybody here today. Um, I'm just going to pray into that before we start, if that's okay. Um, God, I thank you that your kindness, your generosity, your love is not limited. God, I thank you that we don't have to be in control and pace ourselves with you throughout our lives. We don't have to think, well, I really want to see God's, you know, God come into this situation, so I, I won't pray about this one. I'm going to save all my prayers up for this one. God, you are limitless, God. Um, you are not contained in anything. Um, God, I pray that today, if any of us are feeling that pressure of, um, of yeah, you being limited in any way, that we would be set free from that today. Amen. Okay. Um, I'd like to start this morning by um, introducing you to Atlas. This is Atlas. He is the latest, the world's most dynamic humanoid. I think that just means robot. Um, but he is really cool. You may have seen him on the internet. He's going viral at the moment. He is the robot who can perform back somersaults. So he can jump to different size blocks. He can sense where they are. He does a 180 jump. And then he bends his knees, or whatever you call them, um, and he performs a back somersault and lands again on his feet. And they even make him finish with his arms in the air as well. Um, not only that, but they, they do this experiment, which is going around the internet, you might see it going around on Facebook, where they make him stand on one leg with his arms out. And they throw different weights at him, and he can actually balance as we would. He moves his arms and his legs and recenters himself as well. We created that. Isn't that amazing? It blows my mind. I think when you're looking at creativity and people creating things that you have no idea how to do, it's really mesmerizing. I just think, how? Where do you even start with creating something like that? I'm from a um, particularly creative family. Um, so my dad is a graphic designer. Um, and he's a graphic designer from the days where they had to hand draw everything. Um, so growing up, we had the most amazing bedrooms. Um, one year, my dad said, well, what do you want me to do to your bedroom this year? So I chose two pictures from my colouring book, Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse. And grid by grid, he drew them onto my bedroom walls. Not just life-size, but floor-to-ceiling size. They were huge. Um, and you can still see the outline of Mickey's ear, even though it's been painted over. So it took him days and days. <laughs> but... Um, my dad painted both of those on my wall. And I remember going to visit his work when I was little with one of my sisters, Heidi, in this creative hub. And there'd be all these drawing boards. And um, there'd be every single colour marker pen, you can imagine, of every width all lined up. So me and Heidi could sit there and we could just, you know, create away and do whatever we wanted. And Heidi would sit there and create masterpieces. She was the kind of kid whose portrait would be on the school wall the whole time she was at the school because it was so good. Her artwork would be framed in our house. So she would sit there and choose all her pens. And I'd sit next to her, and I'd look at the colours. I'd maybe get a ruler or a set square. And I might draw a line. And then I might draw around the set square. Um, I was speaking to my dad about it this morning. He said, no, no, you used to draw fish. That was what you did when you came. And by drawing fish, he means the one-lined looped fish. So that's what my page would be covered in. 
Um, that theme has kind of run on throughout the years um, in my creative family because uh, just a few years ago, I decided I was going to wrap all my Christmas presents in brown parcel paper. And I got a few tips and put some dots on it like snow, and I was really pleased with my creative effort. So we took them back to my home home in Berkhamsted, and um, Heidi had already put her presents under the tree. She'd used brown parcel paper that year as well, only she had these kind of flamboyant bows and calligraphy written all over them. And I was like, ah. So I kind of shuffled mine round the back. Um, but I am, you know, I am creative despite all of these things. I'm sure there's, there's other forms of creativity. You can probably think of your own. How are you creative? There's so many different ways we can make some ordinary things into something spectacular. For you, maybe it's cooking. Maybe you're one of these people who can make the most delicious meals and you thrive in doing that and having people over and cooking them some really delicious things. We, um, every year we go to a curry night for a friend's birthday and it's a bring and share curry. So it's a real good chance to be creative. And the people that host it make a peanut butter curry, which is really good. Um, my track record, um, one year we had to go by the takeaway and pick one up because it, it hadn't gone well. Um, this year, which was just a couple of weeks ago, we went again and I got my creative zone and I was cooking my curry and we got in the car to drive over to Eastbourne. And I looked at Martin when we got in the car and I said, Mark, have you passed wind? And he looked at me and he said, Polly, it's your curry. Uh, and I did actually end up bringing most of it back home with me. Nobody really wanted my one. Um, so that's not my forte either. Um, but, you know, there's other forms. There's, you know, there's gardening. So perhaps you are creative in gardening. You can make a tiny seed and you can nurture it and grow it into something beautiful. Um, my class will never let me live down the year that I killed the class plant because I sprayed board cleaner on it instead of water for quite a few weeks. But it was in a spray bottle and it was near the plant. So, um, But, yeah, those are my disaster stories. But despite all my disasters, I, I can assure you I am a creative being in other ways. Um, we all are. It might be music. It might be poetry. It might even be data. The way you can display data in different pie charts and bar graphs, that's more my kind of thing. Um, but we all create. It's not really an option for us not to create. But our creativity is limited by the very fact that we are human. All of the above examples, they're new and they're brilliant. That robot, that humanoid, he's fantastic. But isn't everything we create a reworking of something else or a rearrangement of something else? It's all really a copy, isn't it? Because you see... No one has ever really created something from nothing. Nobody creates from thin air. No one that is except God. We read in the beginning of our Bible, the very first thing that we read in Genesis 1 is this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God himself, who is uncreated, created everything. And he doesn't have Pinterest copy and get ideas from either. He doesn't upcycle other creations. He simply created by the power of his word. It reads in that passage that, and God said, let there be light. And then there was. Simply by speaking by his spoken word, God created out of nothing. And he didn't create to fulfill a need or out of boredom. He created because it's in his very nature to create. 
And as we're made in his image, that's why we create as well. Our creativity reflects his. And as I said, we all specialize in something, some area of creativity. And God's speciality is in creating something out of nothing. We might be able to create robots that respond to temperature and touch and voice. But we can't create hope or love or a new heart. We can create new inventions out of existing materials, but we can't create consciousness or life out of something that's already dead. But the very first act we read about in the Bible is that God created our whole world out of nothing. If we turn to John's Gospel, he actually reveals more about this first act of creativity, and it tells us about the origins of it. Um, So it should appear on on the screen as well. But let's just read the beginning of John, verses 1 to 4. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. So we've just read that God created everything out of nothing by his spoken word. And John actually teaches us that that word is Jesus. Jesus was there in the very beginning. Jesus was the one that created something, everything, out of nothing. And you know, Jesus continued to make things new. He didn't just build the whole new creation. He continues, and we read about it in all the Gospels as we read about Jesus' life. You see, if you go through the Gospels, we read about sick people who are given new health simply by touching Jesus. No one had ever done that before, but God did. In Mark 7, we read about a man who couldn't hear or speak. Jesus put his fingers in the man's ear and touched his tongue. This man was given new ears and a new tongue. No one had ever done that before, but God did. He made new food. He fed over 4,000 people with just seven loaves and a few fish and had leftovers. No one had ever done that before, but God did. We can read about how Jesus created new eyesight. We can read about how there was a blind man, and when Jesus just touched his eyes, he could see. New muscles were created. We can read a story in John's Gospel about when Jesus met a man who hadn't walked for 38 years, and Jesus said, get up and walk. And he did. Jesus created new opportunities and acceptance to the outcasts of society. Like, you know, that story of Zacchaeus, He was a tax collector, nobody liked him, and and Jesus went into his house and ate with him. No one had ever accepted people like this before. No one had ever done that, but God did. Have a look through the Gospels yourself, and you'll see time and time again, God is a God of newness. He is doing new things all the time. And you know he's continuing to do that. God is still making things new today. A little bit further down in that first chapter, if we read verses 6 to 13, we can see some more new things that God is doing. 
It says this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Nobody has ever done that before. Nobody's given us the right to become the children of God. But God does that for us. And how is that even possible? How do we become, how do we have that right to become the children of God? This same God that created everything, the heavens and the earth. Well, further on in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it tells us how this is made possible. From verse 14, it says, For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And then this is the real crunch, this next bit. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This passage says that if we choose to follow Jesus, we will be made new. We are given that right to become God's children, the righteousness of God. We're not going to be upcycled. We're not going to be re-educated. We're not going to be rehabilitated. We are going to be made new. That verse there says, the old has gone, the new is here. Only by Jesus dying on the cross, making us a new creation, can we be right with God. Let's read that last verse again. That crunch verse, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. No one had done that before. No one had offered to take our sin just so that we can be made right with God. But he did that. And only the original creator could do something like that. This is not something we can do. We can see that if it took Jesus dying on a cross to make us right with God, then nothing of our own efforts can even compare to that. And it's almost it's a bit ridiculous to think that we can do that ourselves because no amount of self-improvement is going to get us to that same place. It's not going to make us new. 
It's a little bit like an eagle, which I know you're thinking is amazing. What a great analogy. A powerful bird, the king of the birds, the sharp vision, the high altitude and the hunting skills. Um, And eagles feed on meat. And because of this continuous feeding on meat, their claws and their beak actually get blunted. So an eagle undergoes a transformation to make itself new. What it does is it goes and hides in this treacherous terrain. And it actually strips itself of its old feathers. And it bashes its claws and its beaks on the rocks to break them down so that it can regrow new ones. And after a few days, an eagle reappears with shiny new feathers, sharp claws, and a sharp beak. It's rejuvenated and tried to make itself new. And it comes out of this rockery and it's soaring around, looking amazing. But as soon as it sees some meat again, particularly dead meat for an eagle, it's straight back in there. And we can relate to that, can't we? Think of our own efforts we do to make ourselves new. What is it that you do when you're feeling a bit like, ugh, okay, right, I've got to, I've got to make myself good again. I've got to make myself really on fire for God again. Let's go, let's go. And we try and do our own efforts. But often we go straight back to old habits. It's only God that can make us completely new. It's much better to compare it to a phoenix. When God makes us a new creation, it's much more like that Harry Potter-style phoenix, which is a mythological bird. Um, and I found out that it, it actually was told that it lived for five to six centuries in a desert. That's the story of a phoenix. Um, and then one day, after five or six hundred years, it will just burst into flames and die. And then from the ashes, a new phoenix arises. So once it's dead, it will rise again to be a new creation. The phoenix has to die to itself to be made new. Just as we do to be made new in Christ. And even as we reflect on that amazing act that God does, of Jesus dying on the cross to make us new, of all those examples in the gospel where Jesus is making new things, doing new things, of all the creativity we see in this world that God made out of nothing, Actually, what stands out to us perhaps more often is the brokenness that we see around us. Because this world doesn't always seem to reflect newness. We know that, you know, in today's world, you don't even have to watch the news. You can just look in your own life or in a friend's life to see that things aren't right, things aren't new and shiny. And we know that, you know, hard work doesn't always lead to success in our world. We know that honesty doesn't always reward Dreams are cut short. We know that God is absent and death looms large. Because we've lost God's presence and we've gained death instead. And we're surrounded by broken things. But what this world does show us is a real need for things to be made new again. There's a story in in Luke's Gospel which shows this desperation um, for things to be made new. And there's a lady that, that comes and it says that she's from a sinful life. So you can imagine her life looks pretty broken. And um, she comes to this house where Jesus is eating uninvited, but she comes in. And when she sees Jesus, she falls at his feet and cries. It says she weeps. She weeps at his feet. And then perhaps a bit embarrassed, she tries to dry his feet with her hair and she pours perfume over them. See, when she came to Jesus, she wasn't just asking for forgiveness. She wasn't just thankful that he was there. 
She didn't just kind of think, stand back and go, wow, you're amazing. She actually wept because she knew she was so broken, there was nothing she could do to fix her own life. She needed Jesus to step in and make things new. And we too are desperate for God to make things new. We need God to do more than just brighten up little areas of each other's lives. We need God to do more than upcycle us. We're desperate for complete newness. And that's what God the creator offers us, the original creator. See, his newness creates life. When we're spiritually dead, he can make us alive. For us, that means we don't need to be like that eagle, striving to make ourselves good enough or new enough to be right with God. It means that God has already done it. He is the one who creates life. The original creator offers us new mercies every day. That means his forgiveness is there again and again. And for us, that means that it doesn't matter how far you think your actions have taken you from God or how many times we mess up, God is there offering us new mercies every day. And he offers us a certain hope as well. This original creator offers us a hope for a future without pain and without injustice. There's one more passage to read today, which is found in Revelation 21. And um, it tells us about this new hope, this new future he's got planned. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You see, Jesus made all things new at the very beginning in Genesis. He made everything from nothing. He continued to make things new throughout the gospel, and by his death and resurrection, he makes us new as well. And then God promises us that one day, everything will be made new. I'm just going to pray, and the band are going to come up in just a moment. Um, let's just pray to that, you know, to our original creator, and thank him for all the newness he offers us. God, I thank you that... Um, Yeah, you are our original creator. God, you are a God of newness. God, when we look around us, sometimes we see brokenness before we see you. God, sometimes we feel um, not very new at all. We feel stuck. We feel like things um, are feeling very old and worn down and broken. And we're looking for your newness. And God, I pray that today, as we come to you, as we come to, um, to your cross and remember what Jesus has done, that you have made us new and you promise us newness. God, help us not to be content with not being made new. God, help us not to think, well, this is just it for now. God, you want to give us new things every day. 
God, I thank you that you are a God of newness. Amen.